0: Hello, and welcome to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we're uh, diving into uh, Chapter 2 of our book, How to Be an Atheist, Why Many Skeptics Aren't Skeptical Enough, by Mitch Stokes. And uh, for Chapter 1, we took a look at Hume, and he made us doubt uh, pretty much everything in our world, (laughs) uh, both our senses, uh, induction, and uh, all reasoning. So, uh, now we have to figure out why we should have beliefs at all if we're in this... uh, uh, atheistic uh, universe so yeah. that's that's where we're starting in in chapter two uh, for this and as always you can follow along with us or uh, you can just uh, listen and, and soak in all the good information that uh, uh, mr. Stokes has uh, um, you know provided for us in in his book so we're kind of gonna break it down and uh, the really good thing about this book is it's not dry and boring uh, it's really well laid out um, if you've ever read, any type of philosophy book Um, this one really has uh, the headings really helped us along as we um, um, kind of broke it down within what we were going to talk
1: about yeah so this chapter is kind of interesting he he labels it the believing primate yeah
0: that's you yeah, Yeah. yeah
1: that's yeah that's that's all of us me included he says we've seen so far that if we're going to take reason seriously we're justified to question both sense perception and reason. So that's what we saw previously, Mm -hmm. right? That we have reason to believe if we're good skeptics, which is, you know, an atheist should be a good skeptic, right? That we have reason to believe that we should take perception, how we perceive the world, and reason, uh, we need to take skepticism about those things uh, seriously. And so here's the next issue, right? He says, but even if we can't support the reliability of our cognitive, but even if we can't, support the reliability of our cognitive faculties with faculty independent arguments right in other words our cognitive faculties would be our perception and our reason if we we have to support reason with reason mm-hmm. which is a circular argument we have to support perception only with perception which is a circular argument mm-hmm. so those are not good yeah. ways we to would support not want to do sense. that yeah so he says but even if we can't support the reliability of our cognitive faculties reason and and perception, with faculty independent arguments, there's something we can do. Yay, right? So here it is. We can at least work toward a coherent story of perception and reason, right? That is a story that provides soothing relief for all of our skeptical (laughs) discomfort, however sober such skepticism may be. And so he says what we need then is an explanation of how humans came to have reliable cognitive Uh, contact with the world. If we can do that then maybe we can get around the issues of our the circularity of perception and uh, reason, right? If we can have a good explanation about how we came to to know these things. Now what he says here is kind of interesting. He says for explanations we can't step outside of the explanation to check if the explanation you know is uh, is correct. And so the only thing that we can do is to see do we have a coherent explanation so he makes a distinction here and this is kind of interesting these are kind of theories of truth that he's getting at here he makes a distinction between a core um, correspondence theory right where how do I know that this perception corresponds to reality he says we can't we have to be skeptical about that right but the other issue is coherence do my beliefs do my ideas fit together without contradiction mm-hmm. maybe if we can get a set of coherent ideas and belief that fit together without contradiction that'll give us some uh, a way to uh, you know at least justify to a certain extent these particular issues that we're struggling with perception and reason mm-hmm. right so he says let's see if we have a coherent explanation one that fits together without contradiction right? right now he says hume didn't have one right he didn't have an explanation
0: yeah he was good at knocking down the the pins <laughs> but uh couldn't stand anything else back up
1: right he did so today he's going to suggest we have you know evolution as an explanation but hume didn't have that he wrote about a century prior to darwin right so he says other than the truism that we'd be dead if our <laughs> cognitive faculties were dependent weren't dependable right um there wasn't much an unbeliever could say to explain uh, why such faculties are reliable. But, you know, no, it's no longer the case. Darwin has come to the day. He's, he's uh, the... Uh, you know, the atheist savior. In fact, uh, uh, you know, Darwin has now given unbelievers everywhere an all-natural explanation for the, dependent, um, uh, the dependability of our sense and reason, is what he says. In fact, he quotes Richard Dawkins here. He suggests that Richard Dawkins says... Um, has notably said that it's finally possible to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist thanks to Darwin." So Darwin's comes today, Darwin's explanation gives us now a coherent way to see that perhaps our faculties are reliable, our sense perception, and our reason, right? Alright, so what is the Darwin explanation? Well, first of all, we need, he wants us to see at least there's two kinds of evolution with regard to what he calls our wetware, right, our mental capacities, <laughs> right? So the first the first issue that we have to question is, uh, he says there's two separate issues, the origin of life and then the evolution of mm-hmm. life, right? right? Where did life come from and then from wherever it came from, how did it get to where it is today?
0: Right. right? So how did it start? And then once it started, how did it continue to... Improve and gain information, and then finally from the princess and the frog or the (laughs) frog prince to you know the actual prince. Yeah, Yeah.
1: right. And so he says, In the case of life's origins, the starting of it, the question is, How did lifeless matter come alive? He says, In the case of life's evolution, the question is, Once life appeared, then in its simplest form, you know, how did it get greater and greater with regard to complexity? Evolution proper, he suggests addresses only the second question right the, the former question he says is a, a lot more difficult <laughs> right. no dull right? it, it
0: rained on the rocks for millions of years lightning struck it and then <laughs> ooze happened yeah. and amino acids and then they came together somehow maybe right
1: yeah. so what he said so and exactly that or something like that so he says life then is a freak accident therefore uh, you know so too is our it would seem then if that's the case maybe our cognitive faculties are freak accidents right in fact he says some folks uh, this is a bit hard to believe which brings us to the point of this chapter if this all natural explanation is correct then there's reason to doubt the reliability of our cognitive faculties or else doubt the claim that life arose naturally right so either we doubt that they're reliable but if they're reliable, maybe then we would doubt that they arose naturally. Mm-hmm. So why right, either or there, right? So let me just go over that again. All right. This, the all natural evolutionary explanation, if it's correct, he says, then there's reason to doubt the reliability of our cognitive faculties, because all of this came about by accidents, a freak accident, or else doubt the claim that life arose naturally. So either, um, reliability or naturally he's suggesting you can't it's going to be difficult to have both
0: right. so like the tornado in the junkyard it spins around spins around spins around and at, at the end of it there's a plane yeah a working plane well okay and how, we
1: get on it then do you want to yeah. more? <laughs> <laughs> well
0: it's already been through one one Yeah. <laughs> so how likely is it to have happened and so if, if if an atheist if anyone were to look at that and go Okay, clearly you can claim that a tornado spun it around and out popped an airplane, but what is the likelihood of that happening? So small that mathematicians would label it as zero. Mm, mm. So why, why is it when we come to life, here's, here's the, the same type of, you know, this has to happen, this has to happen, and not only for an organism, but for every preceding organism leading to, the most complex of all uh organisms which i think is the fern actually it has more <laughs> chromosomes than we do or something like that so how do, how do you get all these different types uh out of out of you know a, a single cell or the raining on the rocks and and uh, it doesn't seem like uh any of that could happen so how come we don't have the same type of skepticism
1: for that as we do the airplane yeah yeah good and so now he wants to talk to so evolution is the story he wants to talk to us about uh, Can't does that overcome the skepticism <laughs> that he's been dealing with Right, right. this common sense skepticism should should we be skeptic, skeptical
0: of evolution? The problem of prohibitive probabilities doesn't so much arise if theism is true, right? So, um, if if we kind of believe that uh, uh, God exists, if if we wanted to take a guided uh, uh, um, theistic of evolution, you know that, that's kind of easy. If you have an all powerful God, he can you know make the the jukes and the jive. He can you know, mix the batter together when it needs to be. Um, but uh, uh, if, if atheism is true, that unguided principle of it, it's really hard to figure out how that that comes about. Right, right. right. Um, so... Uh, uh, he goes on to say, uh, after all, naturalists must believe, uh, as uh, Dennett says, an impersonal, unreflective, robotic, mindless little scrap of m- molecular machinery is the ultimate basis for all the agency and hence meaning and hence consciousness in the universe. So those are those are uh, big things. How did how did our brains come about so that we can have, uh, you know, uh, um, kind of superior thought of, you know, uh, thinking of where's our place in the universe the the the, the big questions in life yeah. how, how did how did that arise how you know if we're just here to to continue the species how come we're not only thinking of that how how did how did we come to try and find meaning and and people have different uh, forms of meaning and then also um agency how do we how do we just act and um uh, you know there there's plenty of people out there um who who have this uh, understanding of well, maybe uh, we are all determined. Maybe we are in the matrix, and so uh, we're trying to to um, have uh, 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 understand where where um, th- those three come from. Um, so he goes on to say, uh, but even if we didn't uh, go this far, unguided evolution is still hard for most people to l- believe.
1: Yeah. So he makes a contrast between, uh, let's say, evolution is the explanation well okay that's fine and we've gotten now from we don't have a good explanation for how it started but let's say you know the, uh, the that evolution is an explanation well uh, uh, maybe a plausible story would be guided evolution right. right where you had a designer that guided the evolutionary process the the thing that's difficult he's he's questioning mm-hmm. here is unguided evolution right
0: right right that's so, hard to believe right so if you have a god and let's say evolution is true, he's he's making the jukes, he's making the jives. But unguided, it's just random chance. Uh, it's hopefully you know the the fish with legs comes out of the ocean and meets another fish with legs that comes out of the ocean at the same spot. Uh, they're able to reproduce. They like each other. You know yeah, they, they, yeah. He, the, the the which one has fish, to be there. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the one fish is uh, uh, gotten in the box of candy and everything like that. Um, and and then they have children that reproduce. And then, you know, within the, that pairing, hopefully there's more, so you can add genetic diversity in there. I mean, you can you can really take this, and that's just for one species. We're yeah. not talking right. about every single
1: thousands, t- yeah, and type thousands, of kind. And millions, yeah, yeah. But
0: yeah. with with a, a theistic uh, uh, viewpoint, uh, that that seems a little bit easier because you know you you have an, a, an intelligence outside that has you know written the code. And so, of course, the code maker can make the computer program do what it wants, or, or can you know s- set it up so that uh, it works properly.
1: Yeah. So that's what he's saying. Yeah. So, so then, why is unguided evolution hard for most people to believe?
0: Yeah. So um, he, he re- really uh, brings up two two main points. So um, uh, uh, Nagel, who uh, is just a fantastic writer uh, in this, and makes some really great points. Uh, He says that uh, skepticism is not based on religious belief or any belief in a definite alternative. It is the belief that uh, the available scientific evidence, in spite of consciousness of, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, consensus of scientific opinion, does not in this matter rationally require us to subordinate the incredulity of common sense, incredulity being the state of being, of uh, being unable or unwilling to believe uh, someone, right. so, so it's, it's incredible. Re- really with- hard to
1: believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the common sense wise, uh, common sense tells us, wait a minute. So all of this stuff happens by accident over and over and over right. again. Come on, right? Yep. That's kind of incredible. The
0: tornadoes in the junkyard. Yeah, many tornadoes and many junkyards, <laughs> and 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 all of that. Again, th- this isn't even the 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 initial. Starting point. This right. is afterwards. after yeah. after it's gotten started. Right.
1: Yeah. So uh, incredulity is it, what he called it. Incredulity
0: is one. Yeah. And then Nagel goes on to say that uh, it, it is also seems highly improbable that life as we know it is the result of a sequence of physical accidents together with the mechanisms of natural selection. We expect to abandon this naive response, not in favor of a fully worked out physical chemical explanation, but in favor of alt- alternative. Something better has to come along because this seems. Really uh, uh, hard to believe.
1: Yeah. So, so what so is it,
0: lacking, to my knowledge, is a credible argument that the story has a non-negligible probability of being true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, uh, it, if you if you talk about probabilities, uh, if for for um, for an event to occur, probabilities come about. So, what's the probability of of me getting uh, a, a heads on every coin flip? Well, it's always going to be fifty fifty. Uh, unless if I skew the data, uh, so 50, or the 50, coin, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but if I'm going to add every single bit of species and speciation and diversity, and and uh, also all the cataclysms that happen, and we still survive to this day with functioning, good things uh, that uh, beings that survive, uh, it seems like all those probabilities added up together equals a big fat zero yeah so uh it's incredibly and implausible so it's really hard to believe and it seems like um uh the the possibility of it
1: happening is almost uh zero yeah and he he ends by saying so it isn't at all clear that evolution is anything more than a sketch of a theory, right? <laughs> and even if, it, and even then, it's just a, he says a suggestive, mm-hmm. suggestive sketch, right? right?
0: And and so uh, too, I, I think this is one where it, it seems people want to um, put so much emphasis on uh, evolution uh, being the case because the alternative theory is be- belief in a higher being, yeah. or or th- there's no other. Uh, third option design. Really. Right. Yeah.
1: So it's either design yeah. or
0: accident. You can always take a step back and say aliens with, yeah. you know, pansperma. Of course, but that's but, kind of design. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you're just but you're just we devil, have an okay, intelligence. where did the aliens come yeah, from. Yeah. And uh and, and really uh evolutionists believe that evolution if it occurs at all anywhere else in the universe occurs exactly or, or pretty much exactly how it happens here. Now, I don't know how you can say that other than the fact that they themselves admit that it's so rare, it's so Im- impossible that the fact that it happens here, you know, th- this was what Carl Sagan was talking about. Of you know, if if there's if there's you know so much space out there, um, it it seems hard to to believe that um, that that life would be out there. But if it did, um, it would look as, as somewhat similar to us.
1: Yeah. Well, so so what he wants to do now in this section on skepticism about our faculties is to say, now wait a minute, you know, he says, we've obviously not given, someone might say, evolution of fear here, and we've <laughs> only ever so briefly mentioned why someone might be skeptical, right, right? right? So he says, let's do the gracious thing and assume for now that it's true, Right. Oh, well, that's and nice. The, yeah. So we can. Okay. Yeah. So you know. All right. Yes. There's a possibility that it's it didn't happen, or at least we can be skeptical about it. But let's just assume that it's true. Here's the On this assumption, he says, "What reason would we have to believe that our cognitive faculties? Again, we're getting back to all of these things that we do: memory, sense, perception, reason. Those are the things that we, you know, we were skeptical about uh, before. What reason do we have that to 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 um, uh, to believe that those faculties are reliable that is what reason will we have to believe that these mechanisms produce mostly true beliefs right. Right? right because that's what we need to have in order for you know the science and all that kind of stuff to work we need to, or at least some would suggest that right? yeah some would suggest
0: so again uh, going back to our tornado in the junkyard the planes there and all the computers are functional, all the wires are there, all the fuel comes about. Yeah. So the, think of this as the internal mechanism. All right, let's say that we believe the tornado, we believe the junkyard, we believe the airplane. Now, how, how can we even believe that it can get off the ground? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it might look like an airplane, but does it taste like an airplane? That's right. In other yeah. words, would you get it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, he says the obvious reason is clearly we can yeah. – we can the obvious reason that we can believe that our faculties are at least, uh, you know, mostly true beliefs, that they produce these beliefs, is that we're here, I that we've it. survived, right? That, uh, you know, that we're alive, yeah. right? And so he says survival then seems to require that true beliefs – uh, you know, happen, and since the aim of natural selection is survival, usually only those genetic mutations that provide survival advantage are allowed through the filter. He says, natural selection ensures that our cognitive faculties are reliable. Whew. All right, so there it is. The yeah. Reason why we can have reli- we can believe that these faculties—memory and reason and perception, self-sense uh, perceptions—are reliable—is because we're here. Goodness knows, right? We have survived. We, you know, we're alive. It seems to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says uh, there are reasons to think that survival doesn't require. True beliefs. Man, he's just a negative Nancy. Yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> right? So no, us down. yeah, so he wants. Hey, let's pursue our skepticism, right? That's all he wants us to get. If you're saying you're skeptical, let's take it to to, to its logical conclusions. Right. If we can be non-skeptical about logical conclusions, <laughs> right? So he said, let's begin by noticing first that what matters for the survival of an organism is not beliefs, right? What matters for the survival of an organism is the organism's behavior, right? No matter what I believe about the bus coming, if <laughs> I step out in front of it, I will not survive. So my behavior, not my beliefs, he suggests, is what matters with regard to survival,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And so that's the first thing. But here's the problem. Uh, many organisms, perhaps Mosi says, can do all the behavior stuff without any beliefs at all right i mean there's many beliefs right much less true beliefs viruses bacteria he says for example are remarkably successful at survival with nary a belief to be found
0: (laughs) yeah i mean a little flagella (laughs) <laughs> uh, floating around, yeah. Uh, you know the the world's most complex motor just spinning there at you know sixty thousand miles. Does its thing, yeah. 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 Has no beliefs, yes, no right. beliefs,
1: yeah. That yeah. we know, of, I guess. <laughs> so beliefs aren't even uh, um, needed for survival, right? That's amazing. These these mechan- these viruses, bacteria, they don't have beliefs as far as we know and yet they there's fact someone suggested if you know something happened they would still be here if we were wiped out right yeah. well and
0: and uh, the the way that evolutionists or atheists talk about it, it's it's always you know oh you y- you reach back into the furthest recesses of your brain and there there's your reptilian brain and it just does things and uh, again it's harkening back to this idea that this you know uh, primitive uh ape, a primitive person, uh, even before that, your 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 primitive ancestors, like the reptiles, just have these responses, no beliefs, just uh, you know, I see a snake, I run away from the snake. Right. Uh, I see a chicken, I go eat and eat the chicken. <laughs> just you just do things. Why am I doing this? Because of my reptilian brain. That's and right. so it's programmed, it. yeah, into and, and and so just somehow Oops, we, we have this this. Uh, uh, Autonomy, this 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 consciousness to to have beliefs on top of uh, surviving,
1: I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so beliefs aren't necessary for survival. Right. And secondly, true beliefs aren't necessary <laughs> for survival. Right. That's the second point. Right. Uh, we don't need our beliefs to be truth. In fact, he suggest he he quotes Patricia Churchland and says that she indicates truth, whatever that is, definitely takes behind most position with regard to survival because we don't need truth true beliefs in order for survival true beliefs or any beliefs at all he says are a luxury and are superfluous bonus if survival is the real gold standard you don't need beliefs, and you don't need true beliefs in order for survival. He says, at least if we're taking skepticism seriously, then, he says, these considerations undermine our confidence that evolution would require uh, reliable faculties. Yeah.
0: Right? So, he, he uh, I, I like the... Um the note that he has here at the bottom. Notice, too, that some mental illnesses, hallucinogenic drugs, and sleepwalking provide instances where people can successfully navigate the world with wildly false beliefs or maybe even no beliefs at all. Yeah. You're sleepwalking. You survive. Yeah. Where are your beliefs in, 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 that,
1: uh, yeah. in that? Oh, you're on hallucinogenic drugs, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have beliefs, yeah. but goodness knows. Yeah, the, right? the walls are melting. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: have that belief. Yeah. I believe it. I'm not going to go near melting walls. Yeah. I've survived. So, where <laughs> so Okay. Uh, so, th- then the next question is, uh, you know, should we um, uh, be skeptical of even being able to do science, to, to look at the universe and, and know things about it from an internal, you know, um, uh, standpoint? So, should we expect our faculties uh, to be reliable on such topics as uh, quantum mechanics, general relativity, relativity super string theory. I'm not even sure I could, you know, <laughs> define them. Let alone uh, expect to uh, to have it be reliable. Uh, our brains evolve uh, solely for the task of survival. That's the the according to evolution, not for the construction of these complex theories, uh, or or any other things, uh, any other um, things that uh, go beyond um, an and understanding of survival.
1: So even if so so even so so. Okay, even if we assume evolution is true and that our brains uh, evolved to allow us for survival, we have the problem of we don't need beliefs, beliefs aren't needed for survival, true beliefs aren't needed for survival, and we want to do science, <laughs> how do we know, right, yeah. the reliability of these complex beliefs when we're doing science, right? right. <clears throat> yeah, so when we
0: when we look up and out and look at the vastness of the universe and Heat death, and uh, you know the number of galaxies in the universe, and uh, double quasar, pulsars, black Uh, holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, uh, how how can we expect to look out or look in at these small, uh, you know, the 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 form theories like quarks or superstring theory that postulates two hundred and twenty-two different dimensions, or uh, you know, or even quantum quantum mechanics. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, where where you have you know your your oscillations of of spin and and how that works. How how can we have an understanding of, of the the big things and the small things? It seems, as as he says here, that um, uh, uh, that parts of the world uniquely described by general relativity and quantum mechanics, the very large and the very small, are not at all like this this m- middle world as Dawkins calls it. If unguided evolution is anywhere near correct, then our cognitive faculties were not crafted or calibrated for the unobservable realm.
1: Right. So, so the so the middle world is kind of where we live. Right. right? Our middle-sized perceptions and things like yeah. that that we see every yeah. day and that we that help us to navigate through life. See something crawling
0: it. through the grass. Yeah. I assume that's a snake. Let's go look. Yep, that's a snake. I've gotten bit. Uh, now, um, I, I've got a working theory and after I die, my predecessors can, can come and, and, and uh, study uh, for more and, and figure out a, a scientific theory behind it. So, um, unfortunately, uh, this, this realm occupies most of science, um, as we'll see.
1: The big and the small the big and is the small. what science is all about, <laughs> yeah. not necessarily the middle, yeah. and yet we have reason to be, to, to be skeptical about these you know extremely complicated beliefs about the big and the small worlds. Mm-hmm. Because what, even if we have evolved, and even if evolution is true, it's only we've only evolved to survive in the what he calls here the middle world, what Dawkins has described as the middle world. Hmm. And so these ideas about the big, you know, uh, you know, astronomy, general relativity, all that kind of stuff, and the small quantum physics, then are way beyond the pale with regard to dealing with okay. the middle world. See, How do we know those are reliable? Right.
0: It seems like if we're always looking up, we're going to run into that. You know, saber-toothed tiger, and if we're always looking down at the small, that's when you know the, yeah. the crocodiles are going to get us. So yeah. it doesn't seem like those who would look up and down would uh, be able to look out and, and, and uh, survive. Um, so uh, uh, he brings in uh, Nagel once again who we like and says, evolutionary naturalism provides an account of our uh, capacities that undermines their reliability, and in doing so undermines itself. Mechanisms of belief formation that have selective advantage in the everyday struggle for existence do not warrant our confidence in the construction of theoretical accounts of the world as a whole. Mm. So, um, uh, even Darwin has doubts. Uh, With me, the horrid doubt always arises whether the conviction of man's mind, which has been developed from the mind of the lower animals, are of any value or at, at all trustworthy it's what we were saying there uh would any one of you trust the convictions of a monkey's mind if there are any convictions in such a mind mm-hmm. so you know what makes us different than than the monkey other than the fact that it seems like we can formulate that we're different and yeah. and, and we can be altruistic and um,
1: um you know look up and, and look down um, and so if we came from monkeys, then why would we, how, wh- what would allow us to overcome the doubt that uh, comes as a result of that?
0: Yeah, of and, and, and have it be for survival, because that's, that's the point, is not just this thing arises, but it arises because you're best fit and naturally selected for your best environment. So. Yeah, which is the middle
1: world <clears throat> right. and not the biggie, right? So yeah. even if we would suggest our co- cognitive faculties are reliable, they're only reliable for the middle
0: world, right? So he, he says here at the end, uh, it's not impossible that unguided evolution went beyond the call of duty, <laughs> making us reliable about high, highly theoretical topics. But sober skepticism, again, what we should be, uh, you know, should, as we, should, good we, scientists yep, and and, 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 be,
1: and yeah, yeah, but, logicians yeah. and that kind of stuff, yeah.
0: doubting, but at the same time being willing to look skepticism uh sober skepticism suggests that we should seriously doubt that this is the case
1: yeah yeah good and so he ends this chapter he suggests he calls this section saving hume he says someone of a skeptical bent then has good reason to doubt that evolution could underwrite the reliability of sense perception and reason that's what he's been picking on here the last couple chapters right to put it differently, it's reasonable to think that Darwin provided Hume with only minimal help, right? So, so, you know, kind of so sad, too bad. So Hume may have, we may have an explanation, but it's just a small, it's a minimal help with yeah. regard to Hume's but skepticism. But people seem
0: to want to grab onto it right. for all it's worth because that seems to be the only other explanation. Right. And, and,
1: and that's the point he makes. He says, and yet the question of cognitive reliability has been quietly swept under the (laughs) rug, right? Most naturalists, he says, for all their skeptical drum beatings, aren't interested in the issue of cognitive reliability, Mm -hmm. right? They're interested in something else. We'd have to, you know, we would have um, uh, thought that hard-nosed skepticism would be itching to follow reason along (laughs) any path, right? right? And this this particular path seems to lead us to the realization that we have no independent reason to believe reason other than the fact that we already do and that we couldn't help it in any sense, right? So he quips maybe possession is uh, nine-tenths of the law, right? (laughs) We already have it, so we might as well own it, right? Or
0: we think we have
1: it. Yeah, Yeah, right. Perhaps naturalists see skepticism about our cognitive faculties as, you know, maybe childish, he says, right? And perhaps that's the case, he wants to say, but any case, in what follows, he he tells us he wants to simply assume that our intellectual instruments then have impeccable credibility. So notice, he's giving over the arguments one at a time. He's just saying, okay, there's a problem here, but let's just assume it's okay. Well, even with evolution, let's assume it's okay, you know, that life began from some kind of way. And it evolved to where it is today. We still have problems, mm-hmm. right, with regard to our beliefs and whether or not they're true, even if they're because evolution tells us they're only for survival. Right. And if that's the case, then then they don't need to be beliefs. We don't need to have beliefs for survival. And we certainly don't need true beliefs for survival. But let's assume that we have them. What about these giant beliefs that we get, these complicated beliefs, rather, that we get from science? Mm -hmm. Whoa, now we're going way beyond the pale. So we need to make sure that we follow skepticism everywhere it leads if we're going to be consistent skeptics. We don't just say, you know. But, again, he's willing to say, okay, but let's just grant that we do have these true beliefs. Now where do we go? that's and so that's what he wants to pursue in the next chapter with regard to science right yeah
0: so that that's the uh the next uh uh half of of the book is um science and then uh uh running down you know all the uh all the different ways to be skeptical for science and then we get on to morality yeah yes so science is our, our our next uh several chapters as we uh, continue on in how to be an atheist, yeah, so good. Yeah. So, uh, how I, I do we feel... be an
1: atheist? We need to be skeptical, and once we find that we we find ourselves in the skepticism, now all of a sudden we have all kinds of problems about atheists,
0: right? Uh, so we're not we're not uh, going on. You know, uh, evolution probably isn't true because of small probability and unlikelihood. We're granting different things so we can get to uh, kind of what atheists believe, but we're still pointing out the fact that uh, there are areas where they should be skeptical, and it's just adding up into more and more, uh, it seems either a faith or uh, it doesn't seem like they want to be skeptical, but Mitch Stokes is calling it out and saying we should be more skeptical. (laughs) That's right. Come, Come with me. Follow me down
1: down the trail, down the path. Right. So the subtitle of his book is, you know, Why Many Skeptics Aren't Skeptical yeah. Enough. Right. Right. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. you know, I think he's, he's making his case here.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, join us next week as we uh, continue on and we uh, figure out why we shouldn't trust in science. Yeah.
1: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day.